Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There is now one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. You have access to the Lord 24-7. You don't have to call a friend. You don't have to wait to get to church and talk to a pastor. You can get on your face before God in your bedroom, in your living room. You can walk the beach, the sidewalk. The, you, anywhere you go, you can just you can have an audience with the Lord. And you can cry out to Him with your requests and the things that are there upon your heart and be heard. What a powerful truth it is for believers that we have direct access to the King of Kings thanks to the sacrifice of Jesus. Today, Pastor Bill will encourage listeners to take advantage of this hope that we have with the Lord. Yes, we should use pastors and mentors as spiritual resources in our life, but there is no greater support than our Heavenly Father. He desires to walk through every situation in life with you. Who is sustaining you when things get tough? The Lord is ready and waiting for your call. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. It's not that we don't ever pray in public. It's not that we don't ever pray in groups. But, but primarily, we want to have significant time where we just it's just you and God. There's a faith aspect to that, right? If you're in a room by yourself talking to God, you're, you're a woman or a man of faith right off the top because you wouldn't be in your room alone talking to God if you didn't believe that he was and that he was listening. Faith already right there, and that pleases the Lord. He's listening, and he can help. He can do what nobody else can do. And so, again, Hannah's a great example of what to do with her impossible situation. Um, she brought it there to the Lord. And so um, we, we need to be good at running to God with our prayers. Again, we have a God that's available constantly and makes himself available to us. And it's his desire that we would bring it to him. I think sometimes God looks at us and just watch us run and scurry all over the place with our hurt and our pain. And, and maybe God's looking down and you're on Google looking it up and, and you're on the phone talking it up and, and you're looking at other people. You're just you're everywhere else except before him with it. And God's like, man, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to come to me with it. Right. Maybe that's a word for some. Maybe somebody here, you've got a situation and you've been everywhere else, but you have not fervently, passionately been before God with it. You may have thrown it up lightweight. You haven't been before God as though he's the only one that can help. When I, when I say you want to come before God with fervor, with passion, it's with that sort of fervor. And the, it's the fervor and the passion that says, God, nobody else can do this but you. Nobody else can help me but you. There is no answer nowhere else for my situation, but it's found in you. So I'm here before you. And I'll be before you however long I got to be. And I'll be before you as passionately and as well, however long it takes. But I'll be before you with my impossible issue. There's nowhere else to go with it. And I believe that's what God wants. Sometimes I believe that we're waiting because God's waiting. God's like, I'm waiting for you trying everything. You tried every other door. I'll be here. I'll be here waiting. Come in faith, believing that there's nothing that he cannot do um, because he can do anything. So in her prayer, Hannah made a vow, right? She vowed. She said, God, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And so this is where when we when we, we typically share this story, when we do baby dedications at church, uh, we encourage Christian families to dedicate their children to the Lord. And I always remind the parents when you dedicate a child to the Lord, it's really the, the, the commitment is on the part of the parents. Right. 
You bring this little baby and his little diaper and his little, he, he can't even hold his neck up right yet. He's not making any commitments yet. He has, he's not capable of a commitment yet. The dedication is mom and dad saying, God, we're dedicating him to you, which means we're going to bring him before you. We're going to raise him in your ways. We're going to teach him about you. We're going to take him to church. We're going to be an example of you to him or her. We're going to, we're dedicating to bring this child up in the ways of the Lord. That's the, the commitment is on the, the side of the parents. This isn't like Christianing a kid. You can't bring a kid up and, and make them a Christian. That kid's got to grow up and, and they got to turn their life over to Christ. We want to set the stage for that. And so we have parents dedicate their children. We remind the parents, like, the dedication is going to be yours. You've got to be the example um, before this child. And, and, and you'll be the one praying that they, that they meet the Lord as early as possible, that they know the Lord as soon as possible. And that's what we pray as a church. And so Hannah dedicates this child. She, she hasn't even had him yet. But she said, God, if I get one, I'm going to give him back to you. And that was the commitment that she made to the Lord in her prayer. Now, some may say, you know, she made a deal with God and that's, you know, but, you know, God heard her prayer. I'll say this, right? If Hannah just said those words, but didn't mean it, y'all think God wouldn't know? Right? Anybody here ever made a commitment that God, if you give me this, I'll do that. And you knew you was lying. Anybody? No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> so, you know, the thing is when you, when you pray to God, if you make a false commitment, you're praying, you're talking to the one person that can look and say, you know, you're not. If I give you that car, you're going to pick people up. No, you're not. You're not even going to church yourself if you get that car. Uh, you'd be too tired from the night at the club showing it off the night before. You know, so God knows better than we do what we would do and what we wouldn't do. He knows her heart. And evidently, God saw her heart and knew that it was a sincerity to what she was praying. And so when she said that no razor would come upon his head, that's speaking of the, the vow of the Nazarite. That was a part of the Nazarite vow when, when people were set apart for the Lord from birth. Uh, that was a case with Samson. Uh, that would be the case here with uh, Samuel. He'll be set apart from God from birth. That's the commitment that she's making. I'm going to set him apart for you, God. I'm going to give it to you. And another important thing about prayer, right? Are the things that we're praying for just for us? Or is there any part of what we're asking God about that God would say, that's for me, right? Our, the goal of prayer is that God's will would be done. So be careful that all your prayers are not all about you. Hannah said, Look, I want the son, but God, I, you give him to me, I'll give him back to you. you I'm going to give you a man of God. I'm going to give you a kid. Uh, he'll be yours. He'll be, he'll be, you can do what you want with his life. I just want to have one. And so now verses 12 through 18, it says, and it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now, Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought that she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. I thought this was interesting. I just I don't have time to go into that, but uh, the men were having a discussion about wine and alcohol, and in biblical days, what was you know was a wine you know was a very alcoholic, was a very intoxicating, and I, I just saw the distinction here when she said, "I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink," and um, as though there was a distinction between the two. So uh, this was an interesting point. You know, uh, obviously, you drink enough wine, you'll be drunk, but it seems that. There was a distinction between drinks 
we would call them drank. You know, there's drinks and then there's drank. You know, drank have one purpose, get you drunk. Uh, it seemed that wine was more of a drink. Uh, if you overdo it, you know, if you go out of, you overdo it really bad, you can get drunk. But then there was also drank. Um, and drank has one purpose, to get you down. So anyway, that's for whoever needs to stop drinking. There you go. Um, so it says that um, I've neither drunk wine nor intoxicating drink, but I poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. And then she says in verse 17, then Eli answered, Eli says, then Eli answered and said, go in peace. The God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way, ate, and her face was no longer sad. So a few things I want to point out in, in this section here. First of all, as she's crying out her heart before the Lord, we see that there can be times where even our spiritual leaders get it wrong. Eli would have been recognized as a spiritual leader. He's a priest there at the house of the Lord. Um, he's got an important position. And this woman is down there pouring out her heart before the Lord. And he says, hey, put away your wine. You know, stop drinking. You're drinking too much. You know, and so he's accusing her of being drunk. Imagine that. You already are broken down. Penina been in your ear all the way down the road on the trip. You're you in anguish of soul. Be just crying out to God. Then the priest, the guy that like, help me. Pray for me. Minister to me. And he comes and says, you need to stop drinking. You're drinking too much. You're drunk out here, you know. And so she had to respond to him that, no, no, I'm not, please don't see me that way. I'm not drunk. And explain to him what's going on. I just thought it was an important, it was important to note that sometimes what we're dealing with, even, you know, there are things that men are going to miss that God won't miss. God didn't miss what she was doing. Eli missed it. But he got, you know, she, they got straightened out before she left his presence. Um, but there'll be some times where even men don't get it. Even people don't understand what God's doing or what, you know, what's going on. And so um, she didn't let that stop her. You know, she said, no, you know, to the priest, I'm, I'm not drunk. I'm not I'm not that kind of woman. I'm in anguish of soul. I'm crying out my heart before the Lord. Don't see me as a wicked woman. Um, you know, I'm, I'm speaking out of my complaints to God. I mean, she just she just straightened it out graciously with Eli. And Eli answered and said to her, go in peace. And this is this is great. He says, go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition that you have asked. Now, this is unique in the Old Testament. This is one of the ways that people would go to seek the Lord. They would go to the priest. The priest functioned as kind of a go-between, between man and God and God and man. And so many times they would go to inquire of God. They would go to the priest. And then the priest would seek the Lord and respond back to the people of what God was saying. Do we need to do that today? Do we need to go to the priest? Do we need to go to the temple, to the church? Do you need to go to the pastor? No, you got to go to Jesus. Amen. The Bible says there's one mediator. We're new, new, new covenant, New Testament. There is now one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. You have access to the Lord 24-7. You don't have to call a friend. You don't have to wait to get to church and talk to a pastor. You can get on your face before God in your bedroom, in your living room. You can walk the beach, the sidewalk. The, you, anywhere you go, you can just you can have an audience with the Lord. And you can cry out to him with your request and the things that are there upon your heart and be heard. But again, this is a different situation. But I want you to understand when Eli responds, this is to her. This is the word of the Lord. 
When God speaks to you from his word, when God says, here, I've answered you, we need to take those answers in faith. When we have finally heard back from the Lord, when God has finally responded, whatever the response was, whether it's favorable or not, whether we liked it or we didn't like it, we want to take what God says and go in faith. And she goes in faith. Eli said, look, go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition that you have asked and says that she did. She went in peace. She, she, she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So she went her way. And she had not been eaten. She went and got something to eat. She said, give me my, give me my portion of them ribs now. And she went and ate. And it says that her face was sad no longer. Now I wonder, what did this look like to her husband? What did it look like to Penina? All of a sudden, oh, what's gotten in there? Now, oh, now she's eating? Oh, now she looks all happy? Like, I wonder if they, if, if, I wonder if Penina was, it's, it's like it's not working anymore. I'm not getting under her skin. She got a word from the Lord. And when you got a word from the Lord, nobody else's words matter at all. I've had an encounter with the living God today, and God is going to do something on my behalf. Uh, Hannah went on home happy, again, ate her portion of food, and is there now. Now she has to wait on the Lord to keep his word, but she has a word from the Lord. When you receive a word from the Lord, it could be through um, somebody, right? Um, and it should always check out, right? Uh, you, if we receive a word from the Lord, there should be... The, our spirit should bear witness. It shouldn't be weird. It shouldn't be like, that's foreign. God's never said anything like that to me. I, many times when I receive a word from the Lord, it's like God is, the, the confirmation is immediate. I, I believe that's from the Lord because that, that's right on point with what I've been praying or what I've been asking in private or, or, or what I've been seeking the Lord about or what I've been doing. So that's one way that we get a word from the Lord. You can get a word from the Lord in your reading. You can be in your daily reading and prayer and things you've been praying about back here and as you're reading over here, because the, the scripture is, is alive and powerful. The Bible says the Bible is not a dead book. It's living and powerful. And there may be a day where you're reading and, and you had a question and God's like, there it is. That's your answer. I just spoke to you through the living word. Receive that in faith. Take that word and obey what God tells you to do. Do it in faith. And so a word could come through a person. It could be in the middle of a sermon. It could be in a song. It could be in your own reading. But God, when he gives you a word, you receive it in faith and you don't ever look back. If you know it came from God, you don't ever go back on it. You take it, you walk with it. I'll give one more example and I'll move on. because I do think this is really important in the time in which we live. Um, I had this, this one, I, it's, just, it's old, but it, it just, it reminds me. It's, it's still true for me today. Um, you guys know my oldest daughter. You know, when she was growing up and we were back, she was back and forth in and out of my house, me with, on the weekends, her mom during the week. And it was about ninth grade where it was the first time that she ever called and said she didn't want to come for the weekend. And so you have to know that my heart was broken because it's my, still my baby girl. And I've never been, she never said that to me before. And so uh, on this particular, it was like a, a Thursday night. I was actually getting ready to teach at a church in Hawaiian Gardens. And I got her call and she said, hey, uh, did my mom call you? I said, no. She said, I won't be coming this weekend. And I'm like, well, why not? You know, and I said, well, let me talk to your mom. And her mom gets on the phone and I'm saying, what do you mean she's not coming this weekend? And she's like, look, I'm not going to go back and forth. She doesn't want to come. She's got some things she wants to do with her friends. You won't let her do it. She's going to stay here this weekend. That's what it is. And I'm I'm heartbroken, you know, and I got to go do this. I go to the bathroom, cry, pray. I go do the message. I get back in my car and I'm like, all right, I got him a mess. And here's here's my knee jerk response. Right. This is what Bill Buffington would have did. 
my mind said, I got a court order that says you come into my house this weekend. So I don't care what you say or your mama say. You're a child. You know what you're talking about. Your mama, I, none of that. You're coming. I'm going to pick you up. And if I got to call the sheriff, they got to come. I'll make a mess, but you're coming. That was what I was set to say and do. But I got home and prayed and read. And then can I tell you what God spoke to me right out of the book? I was studying the life of Asa, 2 Chronicles chapter 15. God speaks to Asa through a prophet, Oded. And God says to Asa through the prophet Oded, he says, the Lord is with you while you're with him. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. If you forsake him, he'll forsake you. And it just caught me, right? Because I'm like, wait a minute. What caught me first was the fact that God said he'd forsake. I'm like, wait a minute, because God, you say you never leave us or forsake us. But here you say, if they forsake you, you forsake them. I go look it up. And God said, this is what the words mean in Hebrew. The first word, if you forsake them, it means if you turn your back on God, then God says, then I'll forsake you. It means I'll let you go. And as I studied that, it, it just God said, that's your answer. When she's with you, be present, be with her. When she seeks you, stop what you're doing. To this day, if my daughter calls and says, dad, I'll drop an appointment. I'll leave a situation. I will go. And it says that when, when she seeks you, be found by her. When, God, when, when you seek God, he'll be found. But when you forsake him, he will let you go. And that's what the Lord said. When she said, I don't want to come, you got to let her go. And I don't think anybody could have told me that but God. And I took that word from the Lord and I did. I let it go. She would later call back and, you know, we talked later and she, she apologized and she felt bad and and I don't think that happened, you know, very many times, you know, throughout her adolescence or whatever. But God had given me a word for that. This is how you're going to handle that for the rest of time. Whenever she says, I don't want it, you just let it go. Right. You're not a better dad than me. And if I let people go when they don't want it, then you got to let them go. And then God confirmed it with the story of the prodigal son. That when he said, dad, give me my portion in the dad, dad. There you go. There you go. Take it. If my son said, give me what I get when you die. Um, I said, you're going to leave broke. <laughs> you ain't getting nothing. I'm going to write you out of the inheritance, you know, but he gave it to him and let him go, you know. And so um, I give that to you guys because sometimes the word that you need is only going to come from the Lord. And this is why we encourage you to read and pray every day. Come to church, be in fellowship, sit under the word, talk to people that read the word, fellowship with people that are in the word. Because there's so much that can happen. Sometimes God's word will slip out in a conversation with friends that love the Lord. Sometimes God's word will come through your direct reading. Sometimes God's word will come as you sit before him in the study of the word. Um, but if you remove yourself from fellowship, and you don't spend time reading the word, you have a lot of other words, but they won't be God's words. You have man's words. You have the words that come up in your own mind and thinking. You have a lot of words, but you won't have God's word. And that's the word that we need. Amen. So I'm sorry I went very long on that, but I, I felt impressed to just to go there. And uh, I think we need that. So moving on, it says that uh, verse 19 now. So after she got the word, it says, so they, they then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. That word knew is Hebrew language for they, the husband and wife. They, they had sex. They had, you know, sexual relationship with husband and wife. Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel. 
saying, because I've asked him, asked for him from the Lord. And so I thought this is interesting that they that after she got that word for the Lord, they got up early in the morning and worshiped. And then she went home that night and said, hey, Elkanah, come to my tent, you know, and and they, they have they, they do their thing. And, and God remembers her and God blesses her with the son that she's prayed for. They named him Samuel. The name Samuel means asked of God. Um, and so he's, his name is representative of what he what he was. And so the promise has been fulfilled on God's part. Now is the difficult thing. Um, sometimes people make vows and commitments to God in hopes that God will do something for them. And then God does it. Well, now you got to fulfill your word. Now you got to keep your word. Now you got to do what you promised to do. She finally has this kid that she's always wanted. And now well, I promised him back to the Lord. I vowed that I would give him back to the Lord. So verse 21 and 28. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer the Lord, offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up for she said to her husband, uh, she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him and he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him only. Let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull, brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord for this child. I prayed and the Lord granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I have also lent him to the Lord. And as long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. So Hannah doesn't take him back the first year. And she says, well, let me wait till I wean him. Um, and her husband says, OK, you know, you, but make sure you, you better check that out with the Lord. Make sure that you, you better keep your word, that your, your, your commitment that you made to the Lord. Now, in this culture, children were weaned a lot later than today. Uh, it, it was common for a child not to be weaned till five, six years old. Um, I've heard of situations that were beyond that even. But um, and so he, it was it was going to be a few years that she would get the bond with him and have him. But then she literally took him and an offering and went to the temple. And she said, here, this is the child that I promised. And she she left him there at the temple to serve the Lord. She dedicated him to the Lord. I want every mom here to consider now, this is not just a child. This is a child you prayed for for years and you finally have your little baby. You've got your little man and you've nursed him and you guys have bonded and you love him. And I'm sure he loves you and all the little stuff. But she said, this is this. This kid belongs to the Lord and I'm going to give him to the Lord. And and she took him to the temple and, and gave him to Eli. And he was going to grow up there in the temple serving the Lord. We'll see as we go through Samuel's life. Samuel's one of those characters in scripture for which we just don't really see a lot of blemish. You know, they're guys like Joseph and Daniel. They just seem, we know they weren't perfect, but the scripture's testimony of them is pretty clean. It's exemplary lies. These guys lived for the Lord full on. Samuel's one of these guys. He really was dedicated to the Lord. He really did commit his, he committed himself. He stayed dedicated to God. Um, but she literally brought him to the Lord for his service uh, which he ended up rendering service to the Lord all the days of his life. 
And I just see the difference that it made that she brought her impossible situation to the God that can do anything. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. First Samuel is where we've been reading, and there's so much to take away from this book. Did you realize that many of the Psalms were written during the time that these events were happening? For much of this book, David was running from Saul. Wouldn't it be strange to be an arch enemy of your best friend's dad? Even though you didn't do anything deserving of death, you feel like a fugitive. And somehow, you found yourself in this situation where you're running for your life. This was much of David's existence in the book of 1 Samuel. He was doing great things, but King Saul was jealous of him and felt threatened by him. So he wanted to remove David completely from the upcoming kingship of Israel. Do you feel like you're on the run, undeserving of the circumstances you're in? Or are you on the other side, feeling jealous and insecure about another person, looking for their downfall? In either case, these two men needed God's help. One chose to rely on God, and the other turned away. Which direction will you choose? If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If this interests you, you can find the Give tab on our website. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for listening today to A Transforming Word.